Saturday night's all right for fighting. That should have been the theme of minor talk after what went down in Jacksonville, Alabama, Saturday. Minor talk was as long as the game. It was wild. And uh, as you might imagine, following a 17-14 loss to the Gamecocks, minor fans are left angry, disappointed, shocked, scratching their head and wondering what's next. And for us, I'll tell you what's next, three hours of your phone calls. I almost feel like we will uh, allow this uh, show today to kind of continue where minor talk left off on Saturday night with host Adrian Broadus, Sal Montes, Utep Zay. Uh, you tell me, how long could minor talk have lasted if uh, you were willing and able to stay on the air Saturday? So I think it could have gone maybe another hour more. I felt like it just everybody kept saying the same thing. So I, I felt like we deterred callers by virtue of having callers really cover a lot of what they wanted to discuss. So, yes, let, now we've got time to breathe. We've heard from the head coach himself. We heard from players today. Now it's a good time to dive back into this game and to relive the loss that really infuriated a lot of UTEP fans. Uh, everybody's going to be talking today about the third and fourth down decisions. Everybody's going to want to uh, blame the coaching staff and Gavin Hardison uh, on how this one finished up. So let's do it. Let's talk all about it. You know that's what's going to happen because that was really kind of the theme of minor talk. Um, it's not fair to ask you for a minor talk mashup because there's no way you can possibly condense a three-hour show other than just listen to it uh, wherever you listen to 600 ESPN El Paso and hear it in its entirety. That's probably the only thing you can do after Saturday. Correct, and another issue was uh, we had a bit of technical difficulties here. So even if I wanted to pull together a minor talk mashup, I unfortunately don't have a uh, the credentials to go in and, and uh, pull from our initial recording. It's a miracle we even got the podcast up, to be honest with you, Steve. So big shout-out to Sal Montes. He did exceptional work over the weekend in the production room. Uh, shout-out to, of course, Daniel Paulus, who helped us out with uh, El Paso Chihuahua's baseball. Zay did the entire UTEP broadcast with John, by wow. the way. And uh, Angel Munoz was here covering Dallas Cowboys preseason football. Three broadcasts at the same time on Saturday. So we had Sal doing the Chihuahuas game, Zay doing the UTEP game, and Angel doing the Cowboys game. Correct, yes. That's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And you were out at the district. What a packed house that turned out to be on Saturday. Yeah, it was uh, very surprising. And I have to give a lot of credit to all the Minor Talk listeners who had uh, to, who uh, joined us. Minor Mafia was there as well. Uh, it was, uh, it was you know, it felt real when my wife and my mother-in-law showed up mm. at 3.30, at 3.30 exactly. But there were zero tables available. So that's when it felt real to me. Like, man, I can't believe people actually showed up. I thought maybe two or, you know, maybe at most like 10 would have showed up, but the whole place is packed. Speaking of packed, we think the phone lines will probably fill up a little bit today. So let me give out that phone number, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. That gets you right on in and through to the program. I want to thank the 20 or 30 of you who bombed my phone Saturday night with texts as that game was ending. Um, you know who you are, 
And all I can tell you is my phone was going off like uh, it was like fireworks. It really was because, you know, I have an Apple Watch. It's synced to my phone. So it was like boom, 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 boom. And it didn't stop. And it was just an endless. Um, it was it was just it was endless. It was almost like I was getting my own little private version of minor talk on my uh, on my cell phone. I appreciate that. Thank all of you for doing that. And the truth is, hey. I, I, I don't blame anybody. I don't, and I get it. I mean, last year was North Texas. This year it's even worse because it was Jacksonville State. So you're right, and everybody's right. And, you know, you, you predict games, you predict outcomes. On the uh, Minor Talk season preview show, I predicted a win. Did you predict a win over Jacksonville State, oh, or did you yeah. predict a loss? I said easy win, easy victory for the Miners. Oh, good Lord. Um... And I'll tell you something else. Okay, we're going to get into this later on this week and maybe even some today. I started looking at that depth chart for Incarnate Word. Oh, my God. I don't even know if people realize this, all right? But they have, you know, there's 22 on the, uh, on the, uh, start, in the starting lineups. 11 on offense, 11 on defense. I haven't even done special teams. I just did offense and defense. All right. Of the nine offensive starters, four of them are power fives. Transfers. Texas A&M, Oregon, Arkansas, USC. Of the 11 on defense, five of them are Power 5 transfers. Kansas, Michigan State, Texas, Colorado, Iowa State. Oh, by the way, they also have a running back in North Texas who was dangerous when he was running in North Texas, and they've got a a terrific uh, safety from New Mexico. Uh, So this is a team that um, has an NIL in place. They've done very well with their um, retooling, let's just say. And this is not going to be the cakewalk that minor fans were hoping for. In fact, I don't know if any game this season will be considered that. I feel like um, after watching Saturday's game, you have to reevaluate everything right now. And Adrian. Unfortunately, despite the excitement and the optimism and, and, and all the high expectations, one game can change a lot. And now, as I wrote about on the website today at 600ESPNLPaso.com, UTEP has to win back their fan base after what happened on Saturday. And you, uh, you know that they're quickly out right now. The fan base uh, quickly exited following the loss of, uh, you know, to Jacksonville State. Everybody bought into the hype over the summer leading into the season, and they were disappointed when UTEP had a very winnable game in front of them at Jacksonville State. They had the ball in the final minutes and unfortunately couldn't convert. Everybody, Again, everybody's going to be talking about those final two plays, rightfully so. But when you look at Incarnate Word, that's a team that made it all the way to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs last year. Now, the interesting part about this is their coaching staff uh, moved over to Texas a their head coach is now the head coach over at Texas State, excuse me, and now all their players moved over there as well. But Incarnate Word was able to retool thanks to uh, the transfer portal, thanks to all they have for resources-wise on NIL. And, uh, yeah, this is not going to be an easy game. People are just going to mark an e- uh, W for UTEP on paper going into this one on Saturday, but this is not going to be an easy game. No, it's not. That's an understatement. All right, let's get to the phones. 
505-6009 today, 505-6009. We have so much to talk about on this uh, for this uh, football game and this football team right now and everything else that's happening around. Uh, we'll begin with Kurt. He's first up today on a Monday. Kurt, welcome aboard. Thanks for the call. Lead us off here on Sports Talk. How you doing, Steve? Fine, Kurt. Okay, here, here we go. I got two, two points to point out. Uh, obviously, the third and fourth down calls were atrocious. That should have been called. That's on, the, that's on Coach Demel. You know, you got a big running back in Hankins back there. Bring your tight end or fullback. Pound the ball. Get one yard. You got two chances to get it. Second of all, Gavin Hardison has been known to eye receivers. He eyes his receivers, and DBs are watching him. He's got to stop doing that. He's a veteran quarterback, and it, the, the, those are the mistakes are happening. INTs are happening. He cannot be doing that, especially going to these next, next few games and next week's game. So it, it was just uh, – Coach Dimble, you know, those calls, it's just, it's just horrible, Steve. I mean, I think, I think for all of us who were disappointed in that, 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 that series in the game. So I just want to point that out. All right. Uh, Kurt, appreciate the call. Thanks for starting us off. Let's talk about Kurt's comments to begin things. Um, first off, third and fourth and one, okay? Um, I don't have a problem throwing the ball on one of those two possessions. I really don't. I mean, you could say you want to run them both times and just give the ball to Deion Hankins and pound it in for one yard to keep the drive alive. Fact is... Gavin Hardison laid that ball right into the hands of Kelly Akari on that third down. And it was broken up at the very last minute when he pulled that in over the shoulder. He didn't secure it as well as he should have, and that ball was broken up. Uh, but that was six points. I mean, you know, you could say he turned him around and all that, but that ball, when you watch it, was laid right over that shoulder for six. So, Adrian, if you want to fault the um, you know the fourth down play, I'm totally good with that. Um, you want to fault him for not running? I'm I, I agree. You've got you've got a monster running game. That is your bread and butter. If you wanted to go uber conservative and try to run the ball down their throat on both downs just to get the first down and keep it alive, what you're probably still going to end up doing is kick a field goal, and you're going to probably put uh, your freshman in who missed one earlier and put the uh, game on on his leg. Which if he misses it, then everybody's upset, saying, "Why do you have a freshman kicker when you have a veteran team across the board?" So. Um, Third and one, listen, it was it was a gamble, it was risky, but that ball was right there, right there, thrown about as good as you can get. And the DB made a great play, you know, the, breaking it up the last minute, forcing a fourth and one. What I gathered today from talking to coaches and players, uh, well, co- just Coach Dimmel today at the press conference, but players specifically, number one, Gavin Hardison took a lot of ownership for the uh, for the loss, and I, I appreciate that from the starting quarterback. He should. He should be accountable. He should be held accountable. Um, he was responsible for some poor decisions that were made in the game, and you know, not only on that fourth down play, but also you know, moving forward in, in other plays. Uh, another thing to mention with Kelly Kari, he took ownership as well. He was saying, hey, look, next time I could have made the play. Uh, when I'm going up against a DB like that, I've got to make a play like, uh, you know, when it's all said and done. So I appreciate the candid uh, part of Kelly Akari saying that on his end. Now, Dana Dimmel, uh, to your point about throwing a freshman kicker out there, it was really interesting to hear Dana Dimmel say today, uh, if it was Gavin Beckley, he probably would have settled for a field goal, tied the game, and then, you know, uh, done it 
it that way. Instead, he doesn't want to throw a freshman kicker out there. He wants to trust his two seniors in Kelly Akari and, and Gavin Hardison instead. So that was his uh, idea and reasoning behind going for it there. And and listen, the one thing I will say about uh, Gavin is he still does. He, he Some of the same mistakes he's made are continuing. And you're, it's still looking your uh, targets you know, right there and kind of having that, that laser focus and then throwing the ball where you're looking, hey, that is that is 100% correct. His first interception was just like that. And he tried to force the ball in on fourth down and, um, you know, and, and it was picked off. And those were two bad passes. But, again, you look at the touchdown pass that was taken away because the ball wasn't um, – was that Akari also in the, first, in the first quarter, the one that was reviewed and they yes. took the ball away? Okay, so that's two touchdown passes that – Kelly Akari could have had in that one that were both, you know, either dropped or, um, you know, not uh, he didn't complete the, the catch on the way down. So, you know, again, Gavin still makes mistakes. There's no doubt about it. But on the flip side, there were two touchdown passes that both of them were did not happen. There were two well-thrown footballs. Agree with that, and that's why I was just mentioning that I appreciated uh, Kelly Curry and Gavin Hardison both taking ownership yeah. on that side. And you know what? The coaching staff will just double down on the play calls that's, or the play decisions. That's the bottom line. I am upset though that when you've got that line and you've got that running game, you got to run the ball at least once on third, on, on on third or fourth and short. You have to. You can't put the ball in the air both times. Yeah, absolutely. Look, that's your that's your strength. You know what? I'd rather lose with the offensive line in the running game on fourth and short with a minute and change left than have to put the ball in the air. That, and that's just me. I mean, that's, that is your strong point. So you know what? If you're going to go down, I'd rather go down with my best in a situation like that when the game's on the line. Dimmel argued today that the reason he didn't run was he was kind of looking ahead on the next drive, thinking, all right, well, if we throw it on these two, then the defense will back up a little bit. We can mix back in the run. But then he's overthinking things. It, my, I agree with you completely. I thought when Dimmel was explaining that today, he might be overthinking the play calling yeah. over overthinking what the defense is saying do what you do best 100 trust your process trust the run game trust the offensive line that's what you were touting all season long going into this game so why not rely on it when the game is on the line they didn't try to pass the ball at the end of the first half where they were two yards away from the goal line they gave the ball to hankins and he pounded it in at the end of the first half where they could have easily done something different there that tells me they're in their own head for decision making. They just don't, they're in their own head and they feel like the defense is expecting one thing when in reality, just trust what works. Let me see if we can take a couple more calls because I've got full lines and we're going to try to get through as many of these as possible today. Plus, Charlie's back from vacation, so we'll do that as well with traffic. Uh, let's go first to Adam. He's been waiting the longest. Adam, how are you? Hey, guys, how are you? Fine, thanks, Adam. Cooled off a little bit after that. That, that game, um, just a couple of thoughts on it. You know, Adrian and you make really good points. Definitely think Dimmel's too much in his own head. You know, he, he, he has blinders on. He, he thinks what he's going to do works. And it's just that, that, that goes down and, and it shows, it shows in everything. It shows in calling two timeouts in a row. It shows in how slow the plays are to develop the handoff. Everything just takes forever. You can be a team that controls the ball, but when everything's just in slow motion, the defense's eyes are just wide open, and they're just ready for anything that UTEP has to throw at them. Even that last touchdown right before halftime, I mean, 
it was it, it, it was about the most painful touchdown as a minor fan that I've ever been a part of, and and stuff like that. It should just not be happening with the experience that they have, with the offensive line that they have. It should not be happening. And I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there. Like, if Bill Snyder saw what Dana Demo pulled, I mean, he'd probably be furious. He'd probably be disappointed in that. As Utah fans, we're disappointed. You know, you guys had a great crowd out there, you know, and it's just there was so much excitement. And, and, and for them to pull that, it, it, it takes the winds out of the sails. A lot of people are going to be there on Saturday. I'm going to be there on Saturday. But, you know, it's just I feel bad for the players. I, I, I feel bad for the fans. It's just a tough situation. Appreciate you, Adam. There could be a lot more fans there Saturday. That's the thing, too, is how many fans did that game Saturday cost UTEP for Incarnate War at the Sun Bowl? 5,000? 10,000? Who knows? And how many of those 25,000-plus that have tickets are going to reconsider now after what happened on Saturday? That's another thing to bring up. You just don't know. So that's a, that's a killer, Adrian, because that game was set up to where they could have – this whole athletic department has been working towards that 80s throwback night, a 1-0 football team going up against the Carnot Award. They were hoping for thirty five to 40,000 in that game. Yeah, it feels like a similar letdown as to last season's season opening loss. The biggest difference is last year it was over by halftime, really. It was 31-13 finish by North Texas in El Paso at the Sun Bowl in front of an almost sold-out crowd, or sold-out by ticket-wise, and then walk-up crowd, maybe not as as much. But nonetheless, they had an opportunity on the road to win in the final minutes of this one. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't seize that opportunity. David, Tony, you're coming up next. 505-6009. One line available. We'll fill it up right after Charlie One in traffic. 505-6009 is our telephone number to get into Sports Talk. 505-6009. Listen, if you really wanted to hear the fireworks, it was Minor Talk Saturday night. And that's now available to listen on demand wherever you uh, enjoy 600 ESPN El Paso. So the Minor Talk podcast is up. Let's go to David first. Then we'll get to Tony and more of your calls. And if you want to weigh in on social media, at 600 ESPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. Hey, what's going on, David? How are you? A little disappointed, of course. Um, I mean, it's still a long season. There's time to make adjustments. and But, you know, Looking at the game on Saturday, and the last caller just said it, I mean, if you look at the play clock, he's literally running down that play clock to a second. I mean, and and then not only that, with the NCAA changing the rules, the, the, the clock is running. Yeah. Even if you go out of bounds, it's going to start running. That's not going to favor UTEP unless you're winning. That's a good point. I mean, so That's I, a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, he's going to have to speed it up. He's got weapons. He needs to put Hardison in good positions. He needs to. He's, you know, I know Hardison makes mistakes. He's, you know, um, but he needs to put him in, in good situations with good routes. And I just can't understand Demo how he runs. He's a nice guy. I've met him before, but I, you know, I, I think he's, you know, you guys mentioned it. He's he overthinks stuff, and and he doesn't have a bad team, Steve. No, it's not a bad team. It's a good team. But so this, this is just too much. I was arguing that with somebody earlier today that said that uh, they just don't have you know the, the talent they need. And I, and I said, no, nah, exactly the opposite. They have the talent. They yes. listen. I'm around that team a lot during practice. I see them during uh, spring workouts, fall workouts, during the week. Yeah, 
they've got the talent. There to me, that's not even the question. But it's just it's just it comes down to execution. And and I thought that defensively they played well. Minus the one large run they gave up. I mean, defensively, look, you give up 14 points, and how many times are you, are you playing on defense where you're having to start in uh, in bad spots because the offense puts you there? So you got to be thinking about that too. Three turnovers. That's, you know, you can't do that. Not when you – now, you want to make one part about the defense that I agree with uh, what, I've, what I've heard of the assessment is this. That defense plays good, but, but – they got to start forcing turnovers. They do. That's the that's the one thing this defense has not done enough of that they need to do more, and that is get turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. So that way they can give the offense an opportunity to be starting in a good spot. And, and you know, just like you said, I mean, the talent's there. I mean, this he needs to turn this around. Yeah, uh, he needs to turn this around. He's got the talent. Let's just hope he can do it. Appreciate you, Dave. Thanks for the phone call. You know, Adrian, I said on the minor talk preview that uh, I was I was seeing nine and three or, or eight and four, and then I, I just after the game, I just kept thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, you're such an idiot. Why do you do it every year? Why, why do you buy in? Why are you you justify it in your head? You go through the games week by week, and you think to yourself, all right, this should be a win. This should be a win. This should be a win. Why not just realize that again? This has not been a good road team. It hasn't. Not since Dana's been here has it been a good road team. And therefore, you know, even if they win their home games, let's say they win five of six at, at, at home, which or four of six, right? Four or five of six. That means they still have to win at least a couple of road games. And we don't know if that's going to happen because they haven't shown the ability to do that in five years. Right. This is a historically bad road team uh, under Dana Dimmel. They've not been a good road team whatsoever. Uh, as far as the turnover margin, I-, I think that's a really, really good point as well. UTEP over the Dana Dimmel tenure, and this was actually shown by CBS Sports Network, uh, going into the, I think it was like the second half, they were minus 46 in their turnover margin. You throw that last yep interception in the mix they are minus 46 now over the course of six seasons minus minus 46 in their turnover margin that's terrible you've got to force more turnovers on defense and then on offense quit these uh you know forced throws on on you know in your passing game sal who was with you uh throughout the you know minor talk brought up a great point too just now he texted into the show and he said sad part is that this was a nationally televised game and the people who don't even follow UTEP mentioned how disgusting the end of the game was. Even they're questioning the play calling. So it's not even just the UTEP fans that are angry and confused. That's a really good thought. I mean, I would say that when it was on national television and you got the broad, uh, the the play-by-play and the color commentator saying how UTEP just needs to run the ball since they're averaging five yards a carry in the second half, then it's clear as day to everybody, everybody involved. Twitter blew up, uh, you know, and it was mostly people on the national uh, side of things. It was national reporters who were talking about how atrocious the play calling was to close out the game. When you hear the, the the reason why they did this, I get it. I understand uh, Dimmel's assessment of being more aggressive and not being conservative, so I understand why they did it. Phone lines are ringing. Let's get right back to them, and we'll continue next with Tony, who's up uh, next. The sports talk continues. 505-6009. Hi, Tony. What's going on? How you doing, Steven? I'm, uh, yeah, real disappointed. Uh, listen, yeah, the players didn't lose that game. That was that was uh, Dimmel's fault. Uh, those two plays at the end couldn't get one yard. When they ran the ball down the field and you couldn't get one yard, you couldn't run that play where they put those two running backs in that big 
fullback. I don't know what that wedge play, whatever that was. And you couldn't get one yard, and we outweighed them by 40 pounds. Yes, they were quicker in defense. They were. But we out, we outmuscled them, outweighed them, and we couldn't get one yard. And then those two plays, they threw the ball. That was high school stuff. And I don't know what this guy's thinking, but that that's high school stuff. I mean, that was – they were going to win the game. I thought they are going to just run the ball, win the game, and that's it. Yeah. I, th- I honestly thought they were going to win the game despite the – the the down the, the the turnovers the two turnover fumble and the interception the uh, downs where they got four downs and outs and uh, the missed field goal they were in the game they were in the game until the very end and all they had to do was run the ball this this clown here I'm sorry but he he cost them the game and that was as you said horrendous play calling horrendous and as you said earlier when, when you were talking earlier yes their strength is running running the ball and you couldn't get one yard. I mean, that looked like that. That looked like the Cowboys back in the day. One yard, you know. I mean, that he costs the game. And I mean, I'm going Saturday, but it's like, well, you know, I was really pumped up. I thought, man, we're going to beat these guys. These guys, I mean, they they just got to this level. They were what, Division Two, and and you're national TV, and you you do that. That was uh, that that play calling, you know. And then and then it's it's just. Like the previous caller said, the, 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 the play clock, you call a timeout, and then you come out and you have to burn another timeout, and you get penalized? Yeah. That's the coaches right there. That, that's Dimble's fault. And by the that way, is- that's a new rule. A new rule says that if uh, you, you can't call two consecutive timeouts in a row, so it's a delay of game. Adrian, how many times over the last five years have we seen a situation to where UTEP either takes a delay out of a timeout or – they're, uh, they actually call, they try to call consecutive timeouts. Yeah, there has been countless occasions of this, Steve. And actually, uh, I have a lot on the pre-snap. I, I, you know, I feel like, number one, is it too complex? Is there so much going on pre-snap between uh, the coaching staff, the quarterback who's trying to get the play on his side, and then actually getting that play off? Uh, you know, just take, for, for example, that fourth down play. They trimmed down the play clock all the way down to, I think, two seconds before Gavin Hardison snapped the ball on the final play. I'm thinking to myself, if it's a fourth down play, you know what the go-to play is. Why are you wasting the entire game cl- uh, uh, play clock there? And then on you know number two, the back-to-back timeouts is inexcusable. That is a new rule that every coach should have known. There's zero excuse on a lapse in uh, error on all of that. There should never, ever be a case where UTEP has back-to-back uh, timeouts. And then all the pre-snap predictabilities. I mean, you think about it, th- uh, third quarter rolls around. UTEP on their first drive what are they going to do on the first play what's the first play that they're going to do run they're going to run it up the middle just to see what the defense throwing at them and it's becoming so predictable on that pre-snap yet yet it's confusing to their own team because they're they're having all these complexities getting the play across tony as you could tell we are um as frustrated and as baffled with things as you might be you know uh, you know as, as adrian said you know the, the first play they come out the game what do they do they run the ball. Why don't you throw the ball down the field to that little speedy receiver? I mean, just something different. Yeah. I mean, just anything. I mean, third and one. Let the tight end block, uh, you know, get off the block and throw him the pass, and there's one yard right there. Just something different. Demo, just do something different. And I don't know why he's got an offensive corner. He's got to call, call the plays. That makes no sense to me. I mean, that just I, – I don't know what that is. Uh, so – I don't know what what he's going to do, but 
If they're going to play like this, I mean, he, uh, Adrian's right. The whole game, it got down to the last second before they had the ball on the play clock. It just didn't happen in the end. It had the whole game. It's like one second, two seconds, and then they hiked the ball. I mean, it's it just I'm very disappointed. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are. But, again, it's Demos fault they lost that game. He right. causes the game. His play calling and his, his antics, he causes the game. It wasn't the players. They, they did enough to stay in the game, even though they made some turnovers. The defense played good enough to win the game. But Demo causes the game, and, and it's his fault we lost. Tony, appreciate you getting in. 33 past the hour. We've run the lines. If you want to get in right now, you've got an opportunity to do so. We've cleared them up for you. 505-6009 as we send it back to Adrian for a Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. As we keep things moving here on the program, again, would love to get your thoughts and hear from you today on the program as we continue at 505-6009. That gets you through to Sports Talk 505 505- Six zero zero nine. As we continue, all right. Well, let's get right back to it and um, talk more about um, you know whether it's the decision making and and some of those things, Adrian, and, and some of the other topics we've talked about. Um, fact is, right now, the biggest thing that we are um, we're discussing, at least at this point, is the fact that. Um, UTEP has now an opportunity to go play a team that they very well have a shot at, um, you know, have a, have a shot at beating on Saturday, but it's not going to be as easy as people think. It, it sounds crazy, but after watching the game this past Saturday, I don't know if there's any going to be any easy ways out from now on. So then if they win, then what? You go on the road to two Power 5 schools, you probably, uh, you know, ever, no one's going to have expectations for those, and maybe they actually play well in either of those games and have a chance to win it and maybe break uh, Hearts fans again on the road against those Power 5 teams. So then what? Then you come home against UNLV Saturday, September 23rd. Again, that one is the game that I'm circling. That's the one that tells me, is this team a bold team? A bowl, a bowl uh, team that can you know get to six or more wins, or is this team going to have a losing season? I, I hate to put it on all in one game, but at least that's the one I'm circling, thinking that that's a team that will match up well against UTEP. No, you're right. It's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy at all. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if UTEP is able to uh, come out of that one in a position to uh, in a position to win which is uh, the most important thing right now, right? That's uh, what you want to see. The Miners turn it around, and I I don't know. Doubts for everybody. I mean, I've got doubts just like our our callers do and and, and frustrations, and we just don't know. Um, All I know is we're getting more people calling in. I'm checking uh, social media out, and I'm looking at some of the posts coming in. Here we go. Adolfo messages us at 600 ESPN El Paso. Steve, this loss is inexcusable. I was one that called a huge minor victory, 35-17. Ultimately, it falls on the players, but Dana Dimmel brought in a new offensive coordinator. If I'm not mistaken, could be wrong. One yard used the best running back in Conference USA, in my opinion. Uh, Let me just make sure I kind of clear up the OC situation. Yes, Scotty O'Hara is the offensive coordinator. That being said, Dana Dimmel... A, calls the plays, and B, is working more hands-on with the um, quarterbacks than he ever has before. So, Adrian, when I look at this, I kind of say to myself, well, yes, 
Um, Dana Dimmel is in fact in charge um, of you know of the offense. Although from the coordinator position, Scotty O'Hara's name is on there. But trust me when I tell you he was a wide receivers coach. Dana Dimmel is still calling the plays. He's called the plays since he's arrived in day one, and we have not had a situation since he's been here where there has been an OC who has handled the offensive play calling for UTEP. Right, and I think that stems from Dana Dimmel's play calling days at Kansas State, and when he took over this UTEP job, he assumed the role of play caller, whether it was Mike Canales, whether it was Dave Warner, or now Scotty O'Hara. Those coaches might have a say in you know what maybe the scheme is, maybe the idea the philosophy, but at the end of the day, the person who will call the plays is Dana Dimmel. You're right. You're absolutely right. 39 past the hour. Let's get right back to the phones, and uh, we will continue next with Manny, who's up on the lines. How you doing, Manny? What's going on, Steve? That saying goes, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So what happens if you fooled me 60 times? What's that now? Yeah. It's the same story, brother. You High hopes, but the outcome is always the same. Uh, this year, no different. Hot seat, hot seat. We talked back in February. This conference is watered down. Uh, 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 they were talking to the commissioners, and this is the, what, UTEP's the most tenured team. Yeah, because no one knows the conference wants them. It's how I said it. I said it back in February when we talked, when uh, the TV's, well, no, I think the, the, the football schedule came up. Man, drop the program. Drop. The, I know you told me that's not going to happen, but dude, same same story. You can't listen. I know, same but here's story, the thing. Okay, the thing year. is this, Manny. In order to be wanted, you got to win. You got to win. Now, yeah, now, now, listen. This is not a one or two win team. This is an average right now of a, they were five last year, seven the year before. So if this was a perennial one two win team that couldn't win any games and you want to say drop the program, hey, I, I would I, I would understand that. But right now the problem is they're an average team at best, trying to become a better than average team, haven't been able to take that step yet. So to me, I don't necessarily think drop the program is the answer to an average football team because that's what they are. Steve, you you're playing teams like Jacksonville State. Who's who are they playing next? I don't even incarnate word or something like that. I don't even right. Who are they playing next? I don't even know. But it's schools that the majority of people we haven't even heard of. You, you, you know what I mean? It's just Manny, I don't know, man. I mean, Manny, I mean, they're playing. AD's listen, do some, Manny, they're playing Northwestern next week after this week. Who? They're playing. Oh, no- they're oh, in the big. They're in the Big Ten, and then they're oh, playing, no, and then they're playing, and then they're playing Arizona. And then they're playing UNLV. So if you want to play, so if you want to play Incarnate Word, which is in, um, you know, they've done that before. They've played that FCS school, um, and I, I mean, given their schedule with who they have the rest of the year, I have no problem with that. And by the way, Jacksonville State, they're now in their conference. I mean, listen, the truth is that's another reason why you know being mediocre in CUSA right now really is not an excuse because. This is a league where they should be near the top. They should be, yeah. but it I just but it's but it hasn't happened. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, dude, hot seat. And I, I thought you were going to say North Dakota State. North no, they're West. good. Okay, they're good. That's uh, a really good football uh, team. Manny, let me ask you this, Manny. How old are you? Yeah. Me? I'm, yeah. Can, can, I don't even ever want to say that. Manny, how old? Uh, you're not. You're, I'm, come on, I'm, Manny. I'm 47. All right, Manny, I'm, I'm 50. Manny, I'm 50. Okay, I moved here in 78 which means I have watched 
Let me think. I saw winning football in 88, in 2000, in 2004, 2005, and then I think they were 500 in 2010. They went bowling in 14, and then they went bowling, what, in 21. That's seven postseason trips in 45 years. I mean, think about that. Manny, I'm older than you. I, I'm, I've been dealing with this, too. It's, it's, this is, it's tough for anybody that's, that's our age. Let, let, let me tell you this. Get ready for the can flu. I mean, I mean, you could enter a game back in the 80s with a can goods. They're going to have to bust that out of to get. How about, how about the old Roman bread wrappers? You want some Roman bread wrappers to get in like they did back in the day? I'm telling you, dude, those days are coming back. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. this, was, this wasn't a good loss. I mean, I mean let, me, let, let me say this again. It was a bad loss. Yeah. It was a bad loss, dude. Yeah. And I'm hot seat. Like I said, hot seat. They need me to start looking. You better, you better gather a team of, for a new coach. It's same, same story, different year, man. Underachievers. Appreciate, so, appreciate it, Manny. Thank you much. Hey, Thank you. Thanks for the call. All right. I mean, listen, can't argue with some of this stuff. It's Adrian, how many times are you going to see the same thing over and over and over again? It's like we're living in um, the UTEP version of Groundhog Day. So what's different, right? I mean, they have the same quarterback that they've rolled out uh, since the 2020 season and Gavin Hardison, and it just hasn't been that improvement that fans want to see. And I think the next step, we called it before the season even started, the next step in the evolution of this program is winning on the road and, and you know, winning those tie games, and they just still haven't figured out how to do that. Now you're right. When we come back, we'll get to Dan, we'll get to Ron, and more of your calls. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. We've got so many messages on social media. It'll take a segment just to read them all. But we've got two calls that have been waiting through the break. Let's get them both before we end the hour. We'll start first with Dan. Then we'll get to Ron and we'll wrap it up. Hey, Dan, how are you? I am well, Steve. Thanks. Good, Dan. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny, but, um, you know, you're right. You cannot kill the program for many reasons. Uh, but I'm going to kind of a little bit sort of defend Demo, although I think that uh, I shouldn't be calling the place. But you know what? First of all, you call the place because it's your job. It's ultimately your job. Let's say you give the responsibility to an offensive coordinator and he does the same bonehead play calling. They're not going to say anything about the uh, – offensive coordinator they're going to say it about the coach so i understand that and i think people should understand that also all the demo is if i'm going to get fired i'm going to get fired my way which i agree now this is something that i want to hear your opinion and maybe the people's opinion you know every time that you fire a coach and bring somebody else ultimately at the very longest run you're setting the program back 10 years and this is what i mean you know if you if Utah fires Demo, if they were to hire me, I'm going to ask three to five years. Now, let's say after three years, I'm, I'm all in 30. Well, they're going to get rid of me. Then they give you the job, Steve, and you're going to ask at least three to five years because that's how long it takes to get your people in. Let's say another three years, and you also go all in 30. Now you set the program back six years. Then they hire somebody else, and they're going to promise the same thing, and that's how I arrive at the 10-year program back. What you need to do, again, is 
either give them more resources, and what I mean by resources, uh, let's have a better training table, a, a better uh, dorm situation, a better locker room. Have you been inside the locker room at the Sumble Stadium? Yes. It's, it's pretty ugly, Steve, for well, a D1 college program. And yeah. those are the things that I mean. Those are the things that the kids nowadays want to see, the pretty jerseys, the pretty helmets, the pretty uh, locker room. And unfortunately, well, I don't agree with that, but that's what you have to do. They have a nice locker room. It's just not underneath the Sun Bowl. It's connected to it in the Larry K. Durham Center, which is where they dress out during the games anyway. They, don't, they only use the dungeon uh, after games. They don't use it uh, before games. Yeah, well, see, I think that's wrong. I mean, I, I, I think that Price, you know, kind of capitalized on that by bringing them down the steps and everything. But, but again, let's show. Let's play ball. Got it. You know. Appreciate you, Dan. Let me take Ron, then we'll come back, and we'll begin hour number two. Hi, Ron. Finish it up. Hey, good morning. Good evening. Good morning. Uh, I want your kind of life, Ron. Good for you. What's going well, on? Well, I'm retired. Every day is morning. There you go. Hey, I, I, uh, just a couple of questions. First of all, uh, uh, you just had a uh, – not him, but uh, I think his name was Manny. Yes. You can't do any of what he said. That's, obviously, that's not right. Uh, that's not the way to do anything. Stop the program. Uh, no. That, okay. Uh, end with that because uh, then you start over and over and over, and you keep going through a, you know, an over and over thing. Uh, uh, second of all, uh, he, he, I think he mentioned that he uh, – he doesn't even know who the teams are. You know, uh, if you're a sports fan and you have a team or college, whatever it is, you should find out where the teams are coming from or where, who you're playing. Little does he know that Jacksonville and uh, Liberty and uh, and actually Incarnate Word were very good. Uh, uh, what uh, FB, uh, FCS, FB, um, FCS. Yeah, FCS teams. I mean, yeah. they're very good. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, are they uh, Notre Dame? No. Will UTEP ever play Notre Dame? No. Even if they went 12-0, uh, and zero, they would never get in a bowl. So let's just talk normal. Yeah, did uh, uh, Coach Demo call a bad play? Yeah, and that's another thing there. Uh, you have an offensive coordinator, and if you look at a lot of other universities that are playing football, and this is why it takes so long to call the, day, excuse me, the darn plays out. They're calling it from the from the up in the uh, stadium to the uh, offensive coach. The offensive coach gives it to Dimmel. Dimmel decides if he's going to use it or not, and then it gets called out to uh, to the you know to the players. That's way too long. You know that's just taking too much. You should call it to the offensive coordinator. He in turn just calls it directly to the quarterback. That's it. Ron, I'll talk about that as well when we get back. We're out of time, though. I appreciate the call. Hour two in a moment. So much more to get to. Your calls, comments. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. And Adrian brought us. All right, hour number two underway. Thank you, Buzz Adams. Welcome back, everybody. Um, last hour, had some calls towards the end of the hour. A couple things I need to make sure I clear up so people understand. There's only one UTEP coach in the booth right now, and that's tight ends fullbacks coach Drew Little. Everybody else is on the field, and uh, Dana calls the plays. He has a large um, piece of 
I guess it's 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 like a large piece of paper with all the plays. It could be cardboard. I don't know what it is, but he's the one that's that's calling the plays. He's been calling the plays since he arrived. He's told us that, and he's never shied away from you know telling everybody that uh, you know he is the offensive play caller. So yes, they have an offensive coordinator. By the way, Scotty O'Hara, listen to this. He is the offensive coordinator slash wide receivers slash quarterbacks coach. They're not, I mean, that's that's another interesting thing, okay? Bradley Del Pivato, he coaches linebackers and he's the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, and that's interesting too. Uh, Dante Barnett is the secondary slash safeties coach. Drew Little is the tight ends fullbacks coach. There's a, I mean, this staff of assistants, a lot of them are doing double duty. Most programs, the larger programs, they've all got their own coaches, and they've got assistant coaches at each of these positions where you might have a wide receivers coach and you got an assistant wide receivers coach. Here, you know, you got guys, some of them are doing two or three positions at once. So going back to Dan's call in the previous hour, the resources are something that UTEP lacks. I mean, they, do. they just they, they simply can't pay assistants more. They can't have assistants per every position. And just like you mentioned right there, only one guy in the booth. So and maybe that's a philosophy thing, but what it does mean is that head coach Dana Dimble has a larger role that he plays on the offensive side that makes him the play caller. And then on the defensive side, he probably lets Bradley Dale Pivato and everybody on that defense you know, call their own shots. I mean, not not to say they're on their own island and he's not involved with them, but still, I, I, it just kind of tells me that they probably control more of the defense than his input has. You know, I, that he has. I'm agreeing with you on that one for sure. Do you want to hear some of the uh, messages on social media? Let's do it. At 600 ESPN El Paso. This is um, Leo underscore Miners fan. We need official Miner Talk group therapy sessions for those of us on the brink. Uh, by the way, that's what minor talk is, okay? Minor talk is therapy, just so you know. Uh, this is from 915 Sun City Capper. Dimmel wants a winning team, absolutely. He needs to recognize his strengths, which is recruiting, and weaknesses, play calling. Put the right coaches in place, trust them, and lead the team that way. Leaders don't have an ego. He does. Great recruiter, bad game day manager. That's from 915 Sun City Capper. Um, all right. Some of the other things coming back. Let me see here. Let me just go all the way down. And there's been so many messages in the last hour. Let me see what I can come up with here. All right. Adrian, add enemy win the number three. Three reasons, uh, three reasons UTEP fans are dumb. One, UTEP was favored by one. It wasn't a guaranteed win. Two, Dimmel can't be predictable and make unthinkable plays at the same time. Make up your mind. Three, 10,000 less fans for home opener because fans are quitters. That comes from Adrian at Enemy Win, the number three. All right, uh, let's see here. What else do we have? We have also have um, other messages uh, coming in as well. In fact, uh, let me see if I can get to uh, some of the other ones, Adrian. Um, here it is, Jimbo. It would be a challenge even if UTEP were to have beaten Jacksonville State. Dimmel's call for the two passes to make one yard and a first down are reminiscent of Pete Carroll's call for a pass on the three-yard line that cost the Seahawks a second Super Bowl win. 
Got a lot of comparisons after the game to Pete Carroll and uh, Dana Dimmel. And oddly enough, hey, uh, they're friends. Uh, Dana Dimmel's taken a lot from Pete Carroll over over the years. So, uh, yeah, the irony is there. Um, yes, I know. I'm with you. All right. Um, once again, I'm looking at uh, you know a lot of messages, 600 ESPN El Paso, if you want to get into. Um, Jonathan Byer says easy wins over teams like Incarnate Word are the kind of wins that the fan base wants, and so it'll help guarantee UTEP a bowl appearance. They don't give a darn about actually being good. Um, I'm going to disagree with Jonathan for a second. I don't think Incarnate Word is going to be an easy win. Okay, I might have before the season started, but after Saturday and looking at their lineup and looking at their two deep and looking at the fact that they've got nine power five transfers on of their 22 starters, I think this one's going to be a struggle. I really do. Um, they've got Zach Calzada, at starter from A&M. They've got guys from, you know, the Pac-12, Big 12, uh, Big 10 across the board. Adrian, I mean, I'm not saying UTEP's going to lose Saturday, but this is not going to be, in my mind, an easy win against um, against Incarnate Word. I don't think they're going to have any games this season that could be interpreted as an easy win. To Jonathan Byers' second point about how fi- minor fans love these games, well, wait, I, I have no clue what he's saying by that because I would say the uh, you know the administration sets these games up to ensure a victory or to at least get the Miners uh, a win early on into non-conference play, knowing that they're going to have to hit the road, knowing that they have other money games and their non-conference games like Northwestern and like Arizona. So you, as an administration, you want the Miners to get a win here at home against an FCS team. Leo also asked, what's worse, UTEP losing to a first-year Jack State FBS team or Florida State losing to a Jack State FCS team? There is no comparison, okay? The Florida State loss was demoralizing because Florida State does not lose games like that to those kind of opponents, okay? UTEP, that's one thing. Florida State, that's a, that is a, the loss that they'll never forget. So, no, by far, by far, they lost on their home field, to Jacksonville State, okay? That was a home game out there in uh, in Tallahassee. You can't do that. So, to me, you comparing those two, no. Losing to FCS Jack State is by far a worse loss than what happened on Saturday. King Eric asked which loss was worse, UTEP or NMSU. What would you say to him on that one? Uh... Ugh, they're both bad. I would say no question about it. NMSU, man. At I home, don't know. Well, think about this. At home against a team in UMass that went 1-11 in 2021, 1-11 yep. last year, was projected this year to be the worst team in college football, and that was at home. And you, NMSU's coming off a bowl game. Yeah, that's true. That, that's pretty demoralizing when it's your season opener and you got all the excitement, and then you just uh, lay a giant egg like that. Um, you know, that's – yeah, but listen, they're both bad. Can we just say it that there's not really one that's, right. that's worse than the other? They're both really, really bad losses for the same reason. I could level with that. So, all right, let's go to the phones. I've got Eric first. He'll join us five zero five six zero zero nine with one line available. Eric, welcome aboard. What's going on? What's up, Steve? How you guys doing? Doing all right, Eric. What's up with you? Man, it's been a long time uh, since I've called in. Man, I had to text you for the number. Well, listen, I'm happy that I still remembered it. Good for you, man. Appreciate you uh, appreciate you giving us a ring. Hey, so so a couple points. So obviously money-wise, I, I mean, that's 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 the bottom line, right? 
And how do you get money, right? Okay, you get money by winning, one, yes, obviously. If they win, you know the fans are going to come, you know they're going to spend a lot of money, you know people are going to donate. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, too, and more importantly, it's really the conference that you're in because that translates to the hype. That translates to recruits coming in and ultimately you having a better team that can win. It translates to, to people being excited and donating more money. And for me, I mean, I know we've been hearing Mountain West forever, and we've been hearing this, and we've been hearing that. For me, what I just don't get is how in the hell does does the UT system, how does Austin and, 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 and everybody that controls everything, because, I mean, it it is very political. It is very political. How do they not hype up and help their own. How does UT not give a crap about one of its feeder schools? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, to, to, to put us in the in the Big 12 or, or, you know, the SC. I mean, but how do they not pointedly say, you know what, we're going to do everything we can to help you guys get into this conference. We're going to pull streams. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's just amazing to me that that they care more about Oklahoma State or Kansas State than than their own feeder school. It's just it's ridiculous to me. I was going to say they don't they don't they couldn't care less about UTEP. They never have. And uh, really, if it's not the University of Texas at Austin, they they don't really have much of a a much of a of a say in any of that stuff. But you got to realize something. Why does Austin have so much money? It's because of their donors and their fan base. It's not like the Texas Board of Regents is funneling money into Austin. They they do that on their own. So you know, the, well, yeah. The, but again, it's but again, it's political. I mean, really, how the heck did Baylor? How did they get into the Big Twelve back when all the shifting and and and, and conferences were taking? How did they get in? When, when at that time, El Paso was, uh, at, at that time, the third biggest city in, in Texas. I mean, how has, how has UTSA just gone right by us, and, and, and now they're at, you know, they're reaching this elite status now. You know, it's just, it's a joke, man. It's a joke, and, and it is. It's political. And in a world that's so, you know, PC and affirmative action and, no, oh, we need to help the, the underdog and we need to help the, the people that, that don't have that. Like, to me, it's just it's ridiculous that, that they just turn the other way when it comes to UTEP, regardless of all the positives that UTEP provides. I mean, the university itself is top-notch. The, the, the campus, the facilities, I mean, they're, they're beautiful. And, and, and there's, there's no reason that we should be in the situation that we're in. Well, they need more money. They need to. They need to find. They need to find more people that can that can give to the program. Because the fact is, in San Antonio, UTSA has plenty, and I mean plenty of donor money. Huge donor money. We're talking. Uh, you know, they've got they've they've got multiple Paul Fosters, and that's big. And you know, you need that. And then you think about UTEP. Okay, even if you you've got a Paul Foster, you've got a Jerry Rubin, you've got a Woody Hunt, and you've got others. Um, like a Larry K. Durham, who years ago really helped out too. But you need more. You need, and you don't need the, necessarily all the big ones. But then you got to find a ton of little ones, and you need to get you know a couple hundred people that can all give you know a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there, and go and go in that regard. And that's that's the lifeblood of the athletic department, which is why attendance is so important because. The truth is, Eric, if you win, you draw fans. If you draw fans, you make money, and you're in the black instead of being in the red and having to play money game after money game in order just to try to make ends meet. I hear you, man. I hear you. And to that point, uh, you know, they 
might do a good job going after the few people that have a lot of money here, but... Um, but think about those people. It, it, those people are probably, like, tired of you saying, hey, stop asking us all the time. Go find somebody else, right? I mean, seriously. If you were... Well, if you, well if, but to, you know. to, that point, to that point also, I mean, even the ones that, that aren't able to give a ton, but but give a, a you know a, a nice little chunk of yeah. of what they can afford i i don't i don't think that they get the the thanks and the recognition that they should get either that's and true that's, and that's on the university that's that's and a good so, point I'm, you know how can you expect people to keep giving money yeah. with, without the gratitude being shown and and without any results to to show for it Appreciate you, Eric. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks for weighing in. 17 past. Baba Ganoush is next. The sports talk continues. Go ahead, Baba Ganoush. You know, I didn't really have a problem with throwing it on one of those two downs, but you at least have to let Hankins touch it once. And I, I didn't even mind that they went for it because you're on the road and I think you do go for it. Yeah. But, okay, so that that's that, right? Like, okay, you're going you're gonna to throw a pass on third down just because catch him off guard. Okay, I get that. But then, like, you would think it's automatic that you're going to let your best player, one of your best players, touch it to get the first down so you can continue the game. And to me, that whole thing was, even I was listening, it was funny because I was listening to it on the radio at that point. <laughs> and Teicher is like, if you listen to his voice when he calls it, it kind of sounded funny because he was like, they're going to pass it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but that that's another story. My biggest thing is this. I think he's given everything up to Hardison. It's Hardison's job. He's had it for two years. I've always thought Brown Holtz was a better option in the last two years. And Hardison, he's not the quarterback for this system because I think you need somebody that can really run, and Hardison can't do that. And I think that really hurts the system. Because if you think about it, the best offensive games the last couple of years was when it was Brown Holtz at quarterback. UTSA, North Texas a few years ago, when we were in that game against um, ODU here at home and Brown Holtz went in, they hadn't really moved the ball until he went in. He drove them downfield. Hardison came back in the game and did throw a touchdown pass on a rollout. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think Hardison isn't the quarterback for the system and it's just going to hurt him. And I, I just, I'm so sick of watching this every Saturday during college football season that is as a fan you just at what point do you give up and I think I'm at that point. Well I'm gonna tell you something, all right? Dana Dimmel obviously feels differently than you do about Gavin Hardison because any of the last three years he could have brought in a, a, a polished D one transfer, somebody who's been a starter to take over the job or at least compete and, and give Gavin a good run for his money. But Dana Dimmel has absolutely put all of his eggs in the same basket for the last three years now, Gavin Hardison. That's been it's been his guy. It's been his guy since he gave him the job for the beginning. And truth is, is that if you feel like Gavin is not the right person for the system, well, Tip's head coach disagrees with you because he's never brought anybody in to really take the job away from him. And Adrian, we've talked about this. We've talked about this a lot. That. You know, Gavin's Gavin's a pretty lucky, pretty lucky individual because he's never had a serious threat for his job since he took the reins as UTEP quarterback. And what we've seen from Hardison consistently year over year is number one, he doesn't necessarily prefer to run. We saw eight rush attempts on Saturday, his longest coming from eleven yards, and I think that was more of a fake.
like than anything else. Uh, you know, the, he's not going to run, and that's not going to be his bread and butter every single game. Number two, we've always seen the completion percentage be lower than uh, fans would want it. This one, again, under 60% completion percentage. Number three, they've seen unforced turnovers but from Gavin Hardison. Three on his end this past weekend. He had the fumble. He had the two interceptions, including the one to cap off the game. Uh, number four, you could argue with Gavin Hardison that he hasn't really taken that next step to win on the road, to be that leader, and to be that guy uh, to get them over the top. So because of those reasons right, right there, uh, Dana Dimmel is going to live and die by choosing Gavin Hardison as a starting quarterback for this veteran squad. And by the way, 17 out of 29 when he was 71% at halftime. 71% completion at halftime. Okay? And he finished under 60. So that's the problem. You just need to get better consistency from him. You have to. All right. 21 pass. Let's go to Charlie for traffic. And then right back to your phone calls and your messages on, on social. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. And I love the shot there. I love yeah. the aggression. I mean, live by the sword, die by the sword. But now you got to, again, I think you put faith in your front five here. Yep. And you, you pick up a yard on the ground with Hankins. That's what it has to be. Fourth and one. Shotgun Hankins to the left of Hardison. And the box is full with the red-shirted Gamecocks. Hankins shifts to the right of the quarterback. Man in motion is Tyron Smith. Hardison to throw. Steps, delivers left. And it's intercepted. Wow. Picked off by Perry Carter. What a surprise there, huh? There it is. There is the call right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Interestingly, Cole Freitag said, run the ball. John Tyser, sh- uh, Don- John Tyser shocked. I mean, you could hear his voice when, he, when he, they were going to throw the ball and then even said at the end of that, what a surprise. Like, it was that caught the entire radio team off guard on that fourth down play. Right. It felt like, again, in your head as a play caller, instead of trying to, you know, doing what everybody thinks you're going to do, run the ball, which would probably work still in that case, even though everybody in the building knows you're going to do that, they elect to run. That's right. I mean, pass. That is true. Let's go to the phones. All right, 27 pass. We'll start with James. He's on the east side of town, 505-6009. James, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing good. Um, guys, this was a team loss. I mean, uh, granted, uh, uh, when you are in situations like that, uh, you want a coach that's not going to throw you under the bus. And Coach Dimmel has has opted not to do that, not to – when you look at that play, there was a guy wide open, and it wasn't Coach Dimmel that did not throw the pass. It wasn't Coach Dimmel that did not go and, and hit the quarterback on a late hit. It wasn't Coach Dimmel that uh, dropped some passes. I mean, the guy was wide open. But if you look at it, as a player, you want a coach that's going to stand up for you. And he has done that. He has put that in as uh, the face of the program. We have to stop with all this negative. Uh, and, and you guys can do a big part of it because you guys are feeding the frenzy. Let's just uh, go forward now, sell out the Sun Bowl. Just sell it out once this season, 
And it doesn't matter which team it is, and we will get a victory. Sell it out. And again, I want to thank you for taking my call. James, I want to ask you something before you hang up, okay? James, nope, didn't, 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 uh, didn't give me the chance. So I- I'm curious, because James sounds like, uh, you know, it's, we, are, we are stirring the drink around here. But truth is, is that um, we're taking calls. We're talking to people about it. And trust me, it's not exactly like uh, fans are, are shifting their, their blame because of us. Uh, exactly the opposite. So fans are frustrated. They're fed up. James, I'm sorry. You've seen it happen so many times. Doesn't there come a point where you just say to yourself, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. Anyway, um, I want to go to Knox, who joins us next, 29 past the hour. Knox, what's happening? Hey, is this Steve the instigator? It is. It is. And I wasn't even on the air on Saturday. In fact, that was uh, that was my good pal Adrian who got to to handle that with oh, Sal so, and, and so, Zay. That was nice. So we're we're all in agreement. It's Adrian's fault. It, no, it totally. Listen, it's hundred uh, percent. It is totally Adrian's fault. I was too busy drinking tequila Saturday night to uh, to get uh, on that show. So no, I had other priorities on Saturday. Hey guys, I don't want to get into the whole demo situation. I mean, that's let's get through this season. But I will make one comment back to the gentleman talking about the UT system. Yeah, and I'll say this from. You know, I'm a North Texas fan and also follow UTSA. The big differences there, in my opinion, versus UTEP, the presidents of those two schools made a commitment to improve athletics. They got not just in talking about it, they got behind athletics, and they were a face to the communities for improving athletics. And I don't think you see that at UTEP. Now, let me ask you this. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this for a quick second, okay? So let's just say – Dr. Heather Wilson decides, you know what, we, we, I, we, need, we need to give them more money. We need to give them more resources. We have to do more for what we can do to help athletics. How does she may wave a magic wand and, and, and make that happen? Like, how can, can the president just suddenly say, we're going to double the budget for athletics when you know that you're in the red every year? Can you, can you do that? Oh, I think a good point. You can't do that. What you do is you start a plan. What happened at North Texas and UTSA wasn't two years ago. It started 10 years ago. It started with the plan to improve facilities. It started with the plan to, you know, start getting additional outreach into the communities and start building. And like you say, is it, I mean, sometimes I think with UTSA starting a new program, it's easier than UTS, I mean, you know, UTEP having been around for years because, you know, they have the stigma now. I mean, like it or not, it's a stigma that, hey, it's not a program that's going to win. But I think you have to start at some point and start making the emphasis and start building, put a plan out there that you're going to follow to improve your facilities, to set the goals and go out and work on the, you know, the donors and start showing progress toward building for the future. I don't disagree, but on the flip side, I'll say this. If Jeff Trailer is not running the show at UTSA, are they even in the conversation? Well, that, that you know that's a good point. In my opinion, because I don't like UTSA, I hope not. I hope when he goes, probably aren't. They exactly. go away. Exactly. Uh, you, know, I, I, of, it, yeah. you look at what happened at Louisiana Lafayette when the coach left for Florida. Right. I mean, Louisiana Lafayette was winning ten games a year. Now, the last two years, they started coming back down to the rest. So, I think you bring up a good point, but. When you do have that advantage, they've done an incredible job 
and I hate to give UTSA credit, but they've done a great job of when the fire's hot, you know, they're stoking it. Yeah, they are. They're getting 100%. people involved, and they're getting community involved. And, you know, and I, and I, I believe that's something that El Paso can do. But, again, like you say, the hardest part for a program that's been around and not winning, and, again, as a North Texas fan, we're very similar to UTEP's history. It's changing the perception of the fan base and starting to get that one more fan, that next donor, until you can build something. Let me say this, too, Knox, and I appreciate the call. Lisa Campos hit it out of the park. She got she had the magic hire, and she gave him $30 million for 10 years after one winning season when it seemed like that was the most ludicrous thing to do, and everybody thought UTSA was going to come down to earth last year because they had so many veterans the year before, and all he did was retool and pick it up right where he left off a year ago. So obviously she made the right hire. And when somebody does decide to give Jeff Trailer more than $3 million a year and maybe they pay him who knows what, uh, they'll make so much money in that buyout that they will find another one, whether it's one of his coordinators or they'll get the next Jeff Trailer. So truth is, UTSA took a gamble, a huge gamble, Adrian, and it paid off for them. Right, and Jeff Trailer at the time, it wasn't necessarily popular to hire a coach who largely had his head coaching experience in the high school realm. And after Jeff Trailer, we've started to see more coaches be hired from having success in high school and also have success at the college level as a positions coach or a coordinator, whatever it might be. Uh, but now that's the new trend that he helped set uh, from all the success that he had uh, with UTSA. It's hard to compare the two. I think proximity has to do a lot with it. I mean, UTEP, El Paso, we're far west Texas. We're almost like a, you know, a stepchild of New Mexico at sometimes, a stepchild of Texas sometimes, and we're not as regarded as other cities in East Texas like Dallas, like San Antonio, like Austin, where they're able to tap into a lot of these resources you right. know, every single year. And by the way, at uh, when, when Jeff Trailer was coaching high school at Gilmer High, he won 175 games and he lost 20 he had an 871 win percentage. He went to five championship games. He won three state titles and 12 district crowns. I mean, that's, again, he had a stadium named after him. I mean, that just goes to show you the kind of impact he had. And you know what? Jeff Trailers aren't exactly growing on trees in the state of Texas. So they, uh, they hit the jackpot on that. They really did. 35 past, more in a moment, including more calls and comments. But first, let's get right back to Adrian standing by with this uh, abbreviated Sports Center update. What is it? All right. So, you know, the uh, Heisman Trophy, okay, they, they give one to the school and one to the, one to the player. Yeah. You know who started that? Who? Steve Spurrier, 1966. Oh, he was the he first took, one, huh? He took it. And he presented it directly to the university and said, this is a team award. I like and so it. the next year in 67, all of a sudden the school gets one too because he was right. It's a team award. Go Gators. You like that? I like that. That's good. That's solid. Solid. You solid like that, so- right? Solid start to, to, the, uh, to, the, to the segment. Yeah. Now let's go ahead. Just – you might as well just get over with. Just just take your best shot and and do what well, you normally do. Just hammer no, hammer you. No, 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 no. Come on. No, I'm not going to hammer you. You want to get talk about hammer, you could talk about Dimel. You and Adrian. Okay. You and Adrian. Go okay. Cuz cuz last week I I'm not kidding. I was laughing so hard. You and Adrian and and uh young Sheldon 
oh, I wouldn't be surprised if UTEP's a four and zero, five and zero. You know, we we uh, we we come to work, you know, that Monday morning, and we're five and zero. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you guys you guys don't even crack a book or do any research because this incinite word. The Inc- plant coming up next week. Inc- it was it. It's incinite word. Is that what you call them? Yeah, incinite. Okay. So, what about what about incinite word? So those guys have won twenty five games. Think of that. Twenty five games in the last like what three years? Yeah, they're the real deal. The incinite okay. word is that that's a I good mean, that's a good Utah, football program. I agree. Utah would sell their soul to have twenty five game wins. You know, in, in three years. Yeah, that would be nice. And and twenty and twenty twenty one was like one of those uh, COVID years too, where like half their season was like nixed. Yeah. Anyhow. No, it, yeah, listen, I, Inconet, I let me tell you this. Incan and Word's a good team. And by the way, I, I said at the start of the show, you probably didn't hear it, but when the after Saturday, I, I, I said, why do I do it every year? Why do I build it up? Why do I think it's going to be any different? And I felt like an idiot because I, I, I got, uh, you know, I got duped like always. Well, and yeah, it drove me nuts. So I, I'm with you right yeah, now. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not well, arguing watch here. This. Well, watch this. Jacksonville State, two years ago, they beat FSU. And they were a double A team two years ago. Yep, yep. Division two or whatever you call that, right? FB FCS, F- FCS. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. they were that. Yes. Okay. And every every sports center top ten, they kept showing it. You know, you know how they show like, oh, coming up next, top ten, right? And then they show like a bunch of uh, top plays that made you know. Uh, What's the, the point? Is the is the point that Jacksonville State's a better football team than people realized? Exactly. Okay. And, and you guys, okay. you guys keep looking forward, looking forward, bypassing them. You, you know, underestimate your enemy is, is like a bad thing. Okay. Um, it's not and, that. It's that I thought that after the last couple of years, I thought that UTEP was going to take the next step, yeah, start winning road that's... games, and it would start uh, on Saturday. And I was wrong. But Steve. See, that's not going to happen until some UTEP fan, maybe even the guy that says he's on the fence of giving up, like two callers, three callers ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it, all he has to do is break out his debit card by firedanademo.com, uh, fire which is available for like probably 10 bucks. Get someone to open up that website and let's see how many. Tens of thousands of hits that you get on that. Maybe demo will will get the hint and and leave. You know, like what was what was the other guy's name? Crueler. Oh, if you don't like what I'm doing, I'll give you all my money back. Well, we didn't like what you were doing, clown, and you never sent the money back. Okay, kind of like when Mike Price sends a kicker out here to kick a 70 yard field goal. How did that go? And then and then Price is like. Don't boo my players. Boo me. Well, that was me, Mike Price. That was me screaming top of my lungs, boo, at you. You know what I mean? Well, when you boo somebody, like like during the game, give me like like how would you boo somebody? Like if you're in the middle of the game right now and it was loud, something bad happened. Let me hear. Just uh, get away from the phone for a second and give me your best uh, boo impression. Because boo at you it doesn't sound like you. So how would you boo somebody? <laughs> You, you got to be in the moment. Ah, oh, stop it. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. All right. Richard, I got to run on. Thanks for the call. Got to be in the moment. No, you don't.
All right. 42 past the hour. More phone calls coming up next right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. 49 past the hour as we continue. Oh, so many messages coming in. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to start, Adrian. I really don't. Hey, I'm taking ownership on my end, though. I could tell you this much. I went on that pregame show. I went 9-3 and three or 8-4, and four, and now I'm I, I telling you, I feel like uh, I, I, I don't feel good anymore. I don't. I don't have that same feeling. So, I promise you, you went nine and three. Uh, I'll just hold it to you. And no, I, I know I, I went, went nine se- and three. I said, I said it could be nine and three or eight and four, but I, right. but I went with nine and three as my prediction. Um, no, that's not happening. Not after uh, what I witnessed on Saturday. There's no chance. Now there, there is a chance they still go six and six. In my opinion, I, I'm, I'm hanging on to that one. I don't know if that's even right or no. Maybe know, five and seven. Five and seven. Yeah. Four and eight. Possibly. I just they... I missed it. I missed it. I, I listen. I screwed up because I bought in and I'm and I missed it. Simple as that, folks. I'm taking ownership. I overestimated. Now again, it's one game. There's eleven left to play. A lot can happen. But I'm just telling you right now. This uh, Incarnate Award game is not a layup. It's not a layup. So I do not expect UTEP to to come out Saturday and just take out all their frustrations and beat up Incarnate Award. I think this could be similar to that Houston Baptist game years ago. Where it's hanging in the balance and it's a one-score game that comes down to the wire. I agree with that. Mm, Good Lord. Let's go to the phones. Here's Rob. He's next. Sports Talk continues. Hey, Rob, what's going on? Oh, not much. I just uh, really enjoyed it. The district on Saturday at the, the little watch party was really uh, awesome. It was it was, re- it was really fun and awesome. And if you didn't um, cheer for either team, I thought it was actually a pretty good game. But um, unfortunately, I was cheering for UTEP and um, they didn't get it done. But honestly, I wasn't surprised. I haven't been sold on a demo the last uh, year and a half. I, I just don't see them um, progressing as an offense. And he even said it himself, the defense – played well enough to win and the offense uh did it and that's on him he's uh he's the play caller and yep uh, i think he's a, i think he's a good head coach but i don't think he's a good play caller and i knew we were doomed when they announced right before the game that rich rodriguez was the coach for uh um jackson state I, i've been watching that guy for 15 years and it doesn't matter where he's at he's gonna have a good offense so when yeah. we when we're having a chess match between you know, Rich Rodriguez and, and Dana Dimmel, I mean, I, I was I was worried. And, uh, you know, sure enough, it happened, but it was all uh, play calling. He puts his guys in positions to win. Um, you know, and if it wasn't for their quarterback, you know, they would have had a couple more touchdowns. They missed some easy ones, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately for UTEP. But I just – I watch UTEP, and I don't know what their identity is because, you know, uh, they run when they're supposed to throw and throw when they're supposed to run and um, – they, uh, Jackson State seems to be sitting on all their routes. And then when Hankins got it up the middle, they were ready for that. And then when they did two straight passes, third, third and one, fourth and one, uh, they seemed to knew that was coming. And they blitzed the corner right at the right time and Hardison fumbled. And they just always seem to be um, a, a step ahead of us. But I, I really don't see it changing unless um, Demo relinquishes his uh, his play calling duty. And, you know, he hasn't developed uh, Hardison. I mean, even the CBS announcers were calling him out for – staring down his receivers on an interception. I don't know. Uh, that, I don't see him. Listen, he's not relinquishing his play-calling ability because I don't think there's anybody on this staff that you can look at and say, man, they should be calling the plays. I mean, it's serious. That's just the way it is. You know, he's he set it up now where there's really nobody else there that has experience as a play-caller at this level other than him. 
Yeah, that's unfortunate. He's probably going to go down with that. Uh, just say he's going to go down with that sinking ship. But I don't think to to what the last caller said. I, I don't think you need a a drastic change to make UTEP good. I just I just think you need to hire a a young motivated uh, a coordinator from from a from a Power Five school that's ready to get his first gig. I, I think he could he could re-energize this place. I don't think it takes a lot of money to where Dimmel's kind of placed the program. I mean, I, I looked at the players. I like the receivers. I like the line. I like the running backs. I like the defense. I just don't like the play calling. All right. Appreciate you, Rob. Thanks. I've got about a minute left to go. Let me take Augustine. He's next. Go ahead, Augustine. And I'm just going to say the following, Steve. We could go back in history and replay probably 2025 uh, shows of sports talk and it's the same complaints over and over and over again. On a year which allegedly you experience actions and our positions, we have hard coaching that is really going to hinder UTEP's probability of even having a winning season. UTEP has a winning season. I'm going to go 16 and 0 in fantasy football. That's how bad this team is, Steve. I have a better feeling of UTEP having a winning season than you ever going 16 and 0 in fantasy football. Uh, I do too, but but that's I don't have Dimo as my coach. I have more of a fighting chance than anybody out there. All right. Appreciate the phone call. Um, We've got more coming up, including, uh, again, lots of your comments on social media, at 600 ESPN El Paso, phone calls as well, 505-6009. Two hours in, one to go. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN. Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broaddus. Final hour underway. Welcome back, everybody. Calvin Brownholtz, who backed up Gavin Hardison last uh, few years at UTEP, took a look at that fourth and one play that um, has been going viral since the Miners lost that game to Jacksonville State. And he sent out a tweet that said, for those saying this was a bad play call and should have uh, run the ball instead, one, it's cover zero. There's eight defenders in the box. They are outnumbered eight to six. Two. The defense had busted coverage. Nobody ran with the motion. Three, with this busted coverage, it's an obvious throw to the wide receiver who was uncovered. Four, the outside wide receiver running an arrow. Five, the outside wide receiver got jammed and the slot ran into him. Six, this caused the play to practically be dead. Seven, bad execution, not a bad play call. So this was defended by head coach Dana Dimmel today in his press conference, and he explained the same thing. Uh, Gavin Hardison described it as well. So what happens here on fourth down, Tyron Smith goes in motion. There's nobody following him while he's motioning out to the left side. Jeremiah Ballard gets hit by his defender, which um, you know then leads to the collision between Jeremiah Ballard and Tyron Smith. Um, you heard in the post game with Dana Dimmel if they don't get tangled up at that point. Dimmel called it, you know, like a walk-in touchdown that he would have been clear. Ty, uh, Hardison would have hit Tyron Smith, and they would have probably scored. That's his argument right there. My argument would be if he was not blocked and if he he was not jammed at that spot who's to say smith gets tackled and they still miss out on a touchdown on that drive here's the thing too okay and this is the point that i'm looking at right at the point 
when Ballard and Smith go into each other on that play. Because if you watch the fourth and one, um, in that play, you'll see Ballard and Smith collide with each other. Right at that moment, there's a safety at the 15-yard line who is right in the middle of Smith and Akari. And he can't cover both. But the issue is, is that when um, Smith and Ballard go into each other, Gavin was locked on those two receivers. Locked. He never looked at Akari. Because had he looked at Akari, who was planted at the 18-yard line, and there was nobody within about three yards of him, you would have had your completed pass, and they would have been able to keep that drive alive. So I'm agreeing with everything about the play call, but there was that spot where you only had one safety, two receivers to cover, but because Hardison locked in on on Smith at that point and not on Akari, he didn't get a chance to see that he was wide open right in the middle. Yeah, another minor talk listener also pointed out over the weekend that uh, Hardison had a clear day on the right side of the field as well, so he could have uh, elected to scramble. If he ne- it didn't throw to Kelly Akari, if he saw that the coverage was there and the play was busted on the left side, we'll run it to the right. You had a wide open field in front of you. Yeah, he would. That's true, too. It's a lot of interesting things as you start to diagram that play. But the point is this, okay? The point is, is that we need to see more of Gavin Hardison being able to look off targets and connecting instead of zeroing in on one player in one area and then throw the ball right to him. Because, because that safety, that safety was watching Hardison. He wasn't even watching he wasn't even watching, you know, the, the play itself. When the time by the time Hardison released the ball, the safety knew that that ball was going there because he, he kept his eyes on Hardison the whole time. So Hardison in the entire game only had five attempts to the middle of the field, and he only looks to the left and right, and that's been a thing since last year, the year before. He doesn't see the middle of the field as well as he does the left and the right side of the field, which is something, you know, a weakness of his as a, as a passer. Another thing, as a team, UTEP was bad on third downs. They were 3-for-12 in terms of making third down plays in this game, along with 1-for-3 on fourth down conversions. So while we're zeroing in on these final two plays, they just weren't good on third downs the entire game. Uh, You know, one of the ones that stands out to me is in the first half, they drive it all the way inside Jacksonville State territory. They go for a run on third and six, and that leads to a missed field goal by Buzz Flabiano, the redshirt freshman kicker. And, you know, later on in the game, they elect to go for it and not be conservative to try to kick a field goal and tie the game it's true that's true hey we're going to give out some awards from uh, minor talk on uh, during this hour as well so if you missed the show you can check it out wherever you listen to 600 espn el paso on demand but we do have some awards to hand out as we go to patrick he's next up as sports talk continues how you doing patrick hey i'm doing a lot better uh than saturday let me tell you good um, I'll, I'll tell you this straight straight up front First and foremost, they didn't deserve to win that game. Let's let's just go straight to the point. They didn't deserve to win. You know, when it has to come down to 
to two plays against a team that just came out of FCS, and you're having to do that at the end of the game, you don't deserve to win. Okay, so I, that's just that's just the way I feel about it. Yep. And you let's know? and and Patrick, they were playing come from behind the whole game. They were never they were never in front of this game. Never were. Now no. they now they play. They were playing against a a coach that I feel. If he won, if he won, left uh, West Virginia, he may, he may have won a natty. Okay, he may because that's how you know that's uh, he had that program rolling. Yep. Now, scheme wise, if I got a if I have a running back that squats six hundred and fifty pounds, okay, he's going to be behind the quarterback at least half the time, right behind him. Okay, he's going to be right behind the quarterback, whether you're under or whether you're in a pistol, and he's going to run downhill. He's going to run downhill, and you can also you can also sweep when he's right behind the quarterback. And that and I'm going to ride that horse until he's wet and tired. I'm going to ride that horse. That's all there is to it. Now, if 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 you do want to throw the ball. In that situation, if like if you're insistent, I would have maybe maybe run an action pass where I fake him and, and roll roll the quarterback. I I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thrown like quick game like they did. Now, any during any of the course of the game, yeah, you you I think you know I think they they like their matchup, but. That that was that was critical. I I just think you have to put it on the your your old line and that big running back. Even when you got eight guys in the box and you only have six yes, up front. Yes, sir. You right. you're going against a former you're going against a former FCS school, and you can't impose your will, or at least run a sneak. There, there there's a there's a mindset problem there too. I think. I think there's a mindset problem, you know, and 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 we got to get over that, and that that's just the way I feel, Steve. Appreciate you, Patrick. Uh, listen, and and you want to know something? There's a lot of people that will probably agree and say, even if even if they've got two extra guys on the defense trying to stop that run, hey, you've got a bulldozer. You need one yard. You got a great offensive line. Go get that yard. As simple as that. Although, funny enough, as Calvin pointed out with his analysis, when they went past and they went in motion and nobody, and it was busted coverage and nobody on defense was covering, unfortunately, hey, when you have two receivers running into each other and it's bad execution, then what good is it, Adrian? What good is it calling the right play if you can't get it right during the most crucial time of the ball game? Exactly. I felt like um, if you also throw it to, or if your decision was to throw it to Tyron Smith, uh, a guy who caught less than 40 yards of receiving, but he also had five catches in this game, and that's your go-to play on fourth down, I mean, sure, I, I guess you live and die by it, but you died there. And if it worked, yeah, you're a genius. It's like Dana Dimmel talked about, and when you fail and you don't make that, then you have to suffer with those consequences and the consequence here was they lost the game. They had the game uh, where they could have won it. They could have uh, orchestrated a touchdown drive to wrap this one up, and instead they lost this one. You know, it's something else we haven't talked about was I know fans called into Minor Talk. They want to see more Zach Fryer. 
So the Zach Fryer thing is interesting, right? I liked Marcus Vinson. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I just didn't like any anybody other than Kelly Akari in their wide receiver or their passing game, Steve. I mean, I didn't. I um, I know Zach Fryer had four targets in this game, and yeah. he only caught two passes. I could I, w- I would like to see a little bit more from him, but I don't know what more we're going to see from him. I, I don't know either. He, he's not as fast as Trent Thompson. That's the first thing I noticed right away. Marcus Vinson might be the guy from Kilgore College. Yeah. But he he's not there yet. He's still their backup tight end. He's behind Zach Fryer. Let's go back to the phones. Appreciate you, Patrick. Thanks for getting in and uh, good comments today. Here is Luis joining us next. Luis, what's happening? Hey, what's happening, my friend? Uh, I, I'll make it a short comment at the end if okay. I have time on, on the minors. But tell, let me tell you something, Steve. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, since 1961 have I been uh, a, a fan. My first original super team favorite was the Chicago Bears, the Monsters of the Midway. But talking about the the, the Cowboys, this is what I liked about the Cowboys, what I saw on last uh, the last game. Preseason game, yeah. Preseason. Tyron Billy Johnson, this tight end from OK State, fantastic, number 80. Malik Davis, running back from Florida, he's 5'10", 205 pounds, pretty good. Rick Dowdle, running back from Florida, super. Simi Zeoko, wide receiver from Stanford. Luke Schoenmaker, tight end from Michigan. Deuce Vaughn, oh man, that's a little a bullet. Fantastic, he's going to be awesome. Michael Gallup, wide receiver, pretty good. And he's from Colorado State. C. Lamb, one of the best. Number 88, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver. Uh, Hunter Lepke, I don't know, uh, what position is he? Uh, I'd have to see. I mean, he's I, a running back. Which yeah. one are we talking about? Hunter Lepke, yeah. Is Hunter, is Hunter Lepke going to even make the team? Yeah, well, we'll see. Micah Parsons, my man, a linebacker. From Penn State, super awesome. Hunter Will Lepke's Frazier. actually a fullback, by the way. He is a fullback, so he'll be he'll be the starting uh, he'll be the starting fullback for the Cowboys this year. Yes, sir. Will Greer, Stephon Gilmore, uh, he's from South Carolina, I believe. Israel Mukwamu, he's from South Carolina. Safety, uh, and this guy who's big, six six. T.J. Bass, the center from Oregon. So you like you like the you like the depth. You like the guys that are uh, you know they might not see a lot of playing time, but you like the depth. Yes, sir. All right, yes, sir. How do you like the move for Trey Lance? We haven't even talked about that today. What's that? How did you like the trade for Trey Lance? Pretty good. He he seems to be a good a good player. I don't know too much about him. Let me tell you why I like the Trey Lance deal. Number one, okay. This gives you a legitimate out if you decide after next season that uh, you you need to move on from Dak Prescott. And if they can develop Trey Lance, which they could, and they keep him for his 2025 option, you could then move in another direction at quarterback if that's the case. So it at least gives the Cowboys flexibility to have somebody with a ceiling behind Dak Prescott. I agree. I have to move on and watch my favorite program, 
since I was a kid, and that is Jeopardy. Guys, we love you. Shalom and greetings from my beautiful wife, Letty, to all of you. Tell Letty hi for us. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later, Luis, and uh, be good. Thanks for the call. Hey, by the way, speaking of Jeopardy, game shows, we lost Bob Barker over the weekend. 99 years old. He is my all-time favorite game show host. Um, Close second was Richard Dawson because he used to kiss all the women on Family Feud forever in the 70s and 80s when he hosted, which I thought at the time was hilarious, creepy, but hilarious. Now, and he kissed him on the lips, by the way. That was the thing. It wasn't like Richard Dawson just gave a a cheek kiss back in the day. No, he gave him a kiss on the lips. Um, Bob Barker was just different, man, and I loved him. Classy, fun. One of the best game show hosts ever, not to mention with Adam Sandler and, uh, of course, Happy Gilmore, one of the most iconic scenes out there in, uh, in movie history. So we lost a great one, folks. Bob Barker, who um, had helped control the pet population by having your pets spayed and neutered for a million years and truly uh, one of those greats uh, that uh, is no longer with us. But what a life, man. 99 years old for the great Bob Barker. All right. 18 past. We've got calls to continue with. We've got more messages coming up. In fact, when we return, George, Jim, your calls, your comments, awards from Minor Talk, all that still to come as we continue with uh, Charlie One and this traffic update. 22 past the hour. 505-6009, our telephone number. Two calls to get to, plus awards from Minor Talk. I'm going to go right back to the calls. 505-6009. Here is George joining us next on Sports Talk. How you doing, George? I'm doing, I'm doing, Steve. I've been on a hiatus. Vacation. Hey, where'd you go? <laughs> where'd you go, George? Nowhere. I've just been busy. Uh, but uh, I'm, I, I love this, this time of year. Football starting. Cowboys started off pretty shaky. They did pretty well. Uh, it just seemed uh, to soften the blow from that UTEP minor loss. It's unfortunate, but it, it's it comes it's already come to be expected. You know, we're in a situation to win the game, and out of nowhere, a crazy bonehead call that that cost us the game. Uh, really, really quickly, I uh, I went on and everybody was talking about statistics and. And looking at everything, one of the things that's talking about uh, Gavin Hardison and, and his progression, he's yeah. actually regressed uh, in, in, in one area, particularly his, uh, his interception uh, from when he started to now. Instead of getting better and, and reading the field better, I think he's gotten worse. And I don't think it's a product of... Uh, Anybody really helping him or, or getting him along where he should be? Uh, the kid is good. I'm not saying he's not, but his uh, his ability to really look at the field and study it, uh, I think he lacks that that uh, that composure to to be able to do something productive with the ball. Yeah. I mean, it, it just you really think about the the players. The the defense kept them in the game. Let's be honest, because the offense was lackluster. They they really didn't get any real good scores aside from that Akari pass, 40-yard pass. You really look at this team, and 
uh, as a whole, I mean, the program, it really hasn't shined for a long time. And for us to expect them to, out of nowhere, I mean, I get it. Preseason, before everything's said and done, they're, they're going to be hyped. The coach is going to be hyped. He's going to be, he's got a hell of a team. But to put it out there against uh, Jackson State, you know, you expect them more. And, and because that's what you were told. That's what Adrian, that's what you were told. You were expecting it. I was expecting it. And yet, it, to no surprise, it came back to bite us in the butt. But, yes. hey, that's, that's part of being a fan. You, you take the good with the bad. And I just hope they bounce back from this. They go up in, against Incarnate Word and, and go in, into this with a clean slate and, and, and go out there and play balls to the wall and, and let everything hang out because you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You know? What do you think? Well, I mean, listen, they, they, now Incarnate Word's a must win, number one. They really need to go out there and win. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think this is a layup. I, I, I just don't. I mean, after watching what they did against a team that just came up from FCS, and this is an FCS power that's predicted to be one of the better FCS teams in the country, why will this be any different than what happened last week? I mean, I think it's going to be a dogfight, and um, you know, if the Miners are going to win, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close game. Yes. Yes, definitely, Steve. And, and one of the things we have to remember is, is everybody's uh, pointed it to uh, Rich Rod is not just uh, any any coach. He's he's, he's been successful everywhere he's gone. Yeah, yeah. He's he's doing a good job, and and he made the jump to to FBS. So I mean, this is not a cream puff, and neither is UIW. But it can be done. It can be done. Let let's stick to the game plan. Let let's choose something that's going to help us out. You know, uh, stick more to the run. I mean, because that's your bread and butter. That's what you touted. You you have a. You have running backs by committee. You know, use your Hankins. Use use all these players, Burgess, and and all these other good kids that that showed a lot during the game. Uh, and and use use your line because that that in a sense has has kept you in games as well. You know, they've shown a lot. So just give uh, the line and and the backs a little more credit. And and I think we're gonna have something positive happen. I mean, it does take everybody. To, to buy into coach, and I know it's hard because of this defeat. But just because one win, it's not how you start, it's how you end. That's that's my belief. It's not how you start it, but how you end. And and how you end is going to say a lot about you. Good point. If you have the resilience to come back from a, a tough loss, then you're a better team because of it. Appreciate you, George. Great to hear your voice. Hope you enjoyed your vacation. Give us a call back. We'd love to hear back from you here in the football season. Great stuff. Um, you know, he talked about your bread and butter and your identity as your running game and your offensive line. I agree. But the worst part is, is this. They've got talented receiver. I mean, that's not like – that's the thing is, is that they, they've got talented receiver and they have talented running backs. And I still think that if he if, – if, you know, he's able to eliminate some of those mistakes. They got to tell it to quarterback. So it's tough when you've got an offense that's capable of doing a lot and just trying to pick uh, the right moments for the right plays. But I think everybody agrees that even though the play drawn up was designed to work, was a busted play on the defensive side, 
and they had eight men in the box to stuff the run, they still should have stuffed the. They still should have run it. It's almost like the iris, the um, the immovable object against the irresistible force. Who will win? And that's the biggest question. One of the other things is I feel like with UTEP uh, last year, I I thought George brought up a really good point about the turnovers. Uh, Last year they had 15 passing touchdowns to 21 overall turnovers, okay? When you add in the rushing touchdowns, it's 29 total touchdowns by the offense and 21 turnovers overall. Bottom line is this team needs to score more points. That, That has hurt them a lot in these losses that they've faced over the years and in this one only 14 points against Jacksonville State against a defense that you were ready to go up against and score points against that's disappointing right there Hardison put two balls in for six that were both that were both uh, either disallowed or uh, incomplete passes and let's be honest the third and one pass you probably couldn't have thrown that much better because it hit it hit Akari right in the numbers and uh, he couldn't hang on to it it was poked out and then the ball that uh, was the first touchdown that was reviewed, which was a perfectly thrown ball, and then it was t- you know taken away. If those two plays happen, three touchdowns, one interception in that ball game. Well, think about the other. So there's you gave those two great examples. Also, think about the fumble that happened that was at the Jacksonville State 39 yard line. They were driving really well on that drive, and they how they, do you? Yeah, but how do you avoid a blindside hit when you're just dropping back and you don't even have time to set up? Well, that's execution again. It goes all the way back to execution. So same thing with you're not executing those catches. You're not executing the blocks there. So I, what I'm right. saying is they're, they're not finishing these drive and, and putting up points. Another Another one, another example, they're driving midfield, third quarter, first drive out of the half, and then an interception from Gavin Hardison. So driving near midfield, your drive is ended due to another turnover. So it's these mistakes they're making offensively that's uh, hindering their scoring on offense. So there's a lot of examples throughout Saturday's games where they should have scored. You're right. They didn't. Good point. Bottom of the hour as we continue. Thank you, George. Uh, We'll get to Jim in just a moment. So stand by, Jim. One last Sports Center update here, and then we'll come back and we'll take Jim and and wrap things up in our final half hour. 600 ESPN El Paso. As we continue, 505-6009. Jim is joining us next. Great job of phone calls all day long. It's been a steady steady stream since we took the air here at 4 o'clock. Jim, thanks for waiting. How are you? Doing good, Steve. I've been listening for a while, and sorry, sorry for you. Tough day at the office, and I, I feel for you. And I'm, I want to let you know I'm nominating you for a special award. This is the John Teicher Minor Football Optimist Award for always keeping your head up despite whatever happens out on that field from week to week and year to year. You and John have just dealt with it for john for 40 some years now and i don't know how long you've been dealing with it 28 but who's but who's counting right (laughs) okay but you know you're a pro you're great and uh you know you're handling those calls today and you know i was i was irate saturday when i heard it. it's like you know i don't want to talk about the game i'm just gonna give you a little praise and a pat on the back and understand that you're doing a great job 
keep working. We can't afford to lose, man. You're well, the best. Well, here's the thing, Jim. Let me ask you this, okay? I predicted 9-3 and three a couple of weeks ago. We did our season preview, uh-huh. and now I, I, I'm upset with myself because I feel like I was tricked into thinking this was going to be different. This was going to be the year, and they were going to win road games, and they were going to beat mm-hmm. the teams they're supposed to beat, and Saturday was, a, was an example that they're not there yet, and if I had to pick now, I probably would go something closer to 6-6 six and six or 5-5, five and five, five and 7, mm-hmm. just because they just don't seem like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I overestimated them. I really did. Now, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that they recover from Saturday and still have a good season when it's all said and done. And who knows? Maybe they surprise us uh, in games that we don't expect. But the the hardest part is, and, and Jim, you sound like you've been through this once or twice before in your life. Um, oh, yeah. We've seen this too many times in the past. That's the hardest part, Jim, is that I said it on the air at the start of the show. It's like Groundhog Day. I feel like we're revisiting the same thing every single year. Don't you feel it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I I, I sat through it in the 70s. At oh. least the scores are close now. God. The 70s were just horrible. Oh, you know, yeah. But. The '70s were brutal. Uh, That's right. Now, yeah, are you yeah, are you old I enough mean, to um are you old enough to at least know what the '60s were like when they were going and, and winning uh, you know most of their games? I, and I saw I was a kid. I watched some of those teams. They were good. Yeah, I watched this one beat Mississippi in the Sun Bowl. You know, and I was telling my family the other night. I says I saw the last time they won a bowl game before any of you were born. You know, my my in laws they were all laughing, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Nineteen sixty seven. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, you know, but uh, you know, let's see. You know, last year we were we were down, beat Boise, and, and that's that's of course when you remember that, it's like okay, how do we beat Boise? But then we can. Then no, we you're can. right. They, but but they, the crazy thing is this: they've been a good home team the last uh, the last three years. They're mm-hmm. eleven and three at home. I mean they they mm-hmm. win their home games. It's it's the road mm-hmm. games that's been such a killer for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's hope they figure it out quick. That's right. all we can say. You I'm know? with you. The talent's there. Appreciate yeah. you, Jim. Good job, man. Thanks for the call. All right, all right, Steve. Thanks. Bye. All right. Hey, uh, by the way, listen. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat this, folks. I love I love this show. I love I love a show like this after a game Saturday. I love a show like this after a huge win. I mean, the fact is, if you call and you care enough to talk about it, good or bad, good or bad, happy or sad, doesn't matter. That to me is why I'm still on the air doing this show all these years later. Because uh, you know, it's it's what it's all about. I got into this business. This is a sports call-in show. It is. And even though we don't get calls as often as I'd like because times have changed and things have changed, today, you know what? You voiced your comments. You voiced it on Minor Talk after the game on Saturday. You'll continue to do so with Adrian, Sal, and Zay like you have. And fact is, Adrian, I've always said it. This show is the best therapy I can have, and probably any of the fans can have, getting a chance to talk it out every single game. Right. It's not about us here, and it's all about no. the team itself and, and what uh, how you feel about the team. Good, bad, optimistic, pessimistic, whatever it might be. Just hearing all the listeners uh, chime in with all their passion, that's what it's all about. You know, one of the things that somebody said earlier, oh, abandon the program. You don't abandon the program because people are just as passionate about talking about minor football now as ever. 
ever. I mean, they want a winner. They want uh, to get rid of this, these losing ways, and they are tired of complacency and mediocrity with this UTEP football team, and I don't blame them. No, I don't either. Uh, Headbanger Pete uh, messaged us on social at 600 ESPN El Paso with this. Question, guys. Do you think you would have this much feedback if UTEP won? Yes, it's frustrating. I'm a lifelong UTEP football fan. But you know this town loves a train wreck. Fairweather fans. That loss um, lost a lot of people showing up on Saturday. Hopefully they regroup. Hashtag Minor Magic. It's a good question and a really good point. I would think that uh, we don't get as much feedback from some of the haters if they had won. Like maybe we, maybe Gator Richard doesn't call in, maybe Augustine doesn't call in, and maybe you have other fans excited, optimistic, and telling us the players that they like. If they had won this game, I still think we would have had as fiery of a show as we did today because it was a close game. It was very entertaining. It went down to the wire, and I think that was a little unexpected to some fans who thought that UTEP was just going to go into Jacksonville State and demolish that team. That's true. Um, you know, we, we, we thought, well, it could be a close game. Look, the odds makers know something, right? One-point game. They knew. They knew this would be a closer game than other people thought. And, um, you know, the fact is, right now, uh, they have to regroup. And, I, I you know, we, we were talking about this earlier. I don't know how many fans are going to show up on on Saturday night. I don't. I know they've they've already sold twenty five thousand, so they've sold more than half the Sun Bowl. The Sun Bowl now seats forty five, and they've got twenty five thousand plus sold. Who knows? Um, now the question is going to be: of those twenty five thousand plus, how many of them come Saturday night? My prediction, and I wrote about this in the article, is there'll be about five thousand in the Sun Bowl when they kick off, because that usually is the way things go. And then somewhere near halftime by the second quarter, when everybody's finally filed in, they'll probably be in that twenty to twenty-five thousand range. So my thoughts are: it's the first home game. It's also Labor Day weekend. It's a uphill battle after a loss in your Week Zero game on the road in Conference USA. It's so. Uh, my thoughts are: is so unpredictable right now. I almost want to think that mm. uh, we have to see how the tailgates kind of look. You know, before the actual kick off happens we have to see the buzz around the team right before everything gets underway will fans just buy tickets because they want to watch the 80s team get honored uh by the by utep along with bob stoll former uh, director of athletics you're just wondering do those things draw any more fans out to the sun bowl this week that's a big deal though right that is a big deal when you start to think about what's at stake for all of that i agree all right, uh, let's get back to uh, Minor Talk, which was uh, brought to you by the Roscadietta All-State Agency. Um, Adrian, you had some awards to give out after the game. Uh, let's talk about those. That's right. First off, our hot hand of the game presented by Wind Supply El Paso. Love Wind Supply El Paso and so appreciative that they are back with us on Minor Talk for another season. Steve, we could have gone the defensive route. Could have gone Mikel Broussard, his first game starting at the weak safety position. He filled in nicely when Kobe Hilton was out in the second quarter of this game, uh, and I thought he play, played an exceptional uh, you know, performance. Also really like Praise Mayule. He mm-hmm. had a sack. He had a quarterback hurry. He could have been the hot hand of the game, but we had to give it to Kelly Akari. Over 100 receiving yards, four catches, and that 32-yard touchdown. Their only, uh, you know, their only significant touchdown that came off a big play in this one. Uh, had two opportunities to score two others like we've discussed throughout this show, uh, but Kelly Akari has never really taken 
taken on that wide receiver one role, and I thought he did that um, admirably on Saturday. Nicely done. Uh, Wind supply El Paso, folks. The weather has cooled off, but that doesn't mean you can't convert your system right now to a champion system. They've got some of the best, most efficient refrigerated air systems in the business with a warranty that absolutely cannot be beat. If you would like to locate your nearest preferred dealer, just go to the Find a Dealer tab at windsupplyelpaso.com. How about some of the other awards we gave out, Adrian? So our New Start Homes Drive of the Game, which is our only other award of Minor Talk, is actually uh, in relation to Kelly Akari. It was that nine-play, 74-yard drive uh, that they had in the third quarter to inch back, excuse me, in the fourth quarter to inch back closer into this game. Uh, 74 yards, it lasted four minutes, and it was capped off by that 32-yard touchdown catch by Kelly Akari, thrown by Gavin Hardison. So really like that drive. I thought that the Miners were going to win after they scored on that drive as well. I thought, man, 17-14, you're down with uh, four minutes to go. You've got timeouts under your belt. Sign me up. I think UTEP's going to come back and win this game. But you know, that did not happen. They had a nice drive to close out the game, but it was stalled on a third and fourth and one conversion that did not happen. Man, oh, man. I know it. All right, great job. Again, if you want to miss, uh, if you missed any of Minor Talk Saturday, you can listen to it. The whole show is up wherever you listen to 600 ESPN El Paso On Demand. We'll come back, wrap things up here on our Monday edition of Sports Talk 600 ESPN El Paso.